man fall is here and yeah, i know uh, i wasn't really a huge fan of fall until i moved to missouri because i grew up growing up in texas we didn't like have fall it just went from like 80 degrees to 75 degrees so <laughs> that's fair <laughs> yeah now get to you know you know me in the kitchen man I'm, i live in the kitchen so it start you know i'm like part of a chili cook-off on halloween some casseroles running out making tons of soups right now it's like the most comforting cooking time of the year for me man i i, I get you um there is something my aba fans will enjoy this one there's something environmentally uh shifting around this time of year for me because like all of a sudden i crave soups um, you know, I don't know if it's the, the colder weather or, you know, the cultural aspect of the Midwest. Don't know. I, I don't care enough to break it down scientifically. I just ex- excited to, to do it. Um, but you're, you're exactly right. When you jump in the kitchen and you have all these, I think the word we use here in the Midwest is hearty, right? These, yeah, these sure. hearty, uh, another phrase is stick to your ribs. Uh, I love mm-hmm. that one. Um, all these ideas, all comfort food, just comfort. comfort. Yeah. Comfort yeah. is great. Comfort food. What are some of your favorites for this time of year? Um, oh man, uh, chili is obviously always on rotation, but okay. I do mine differently than anybody that I've ever met. So I, uh, it's really simple. It's not anything super gourmet, but my starter, you know, everybody's got their starter, their base. Absolutely. Mine, mine is a jar or two, depending on how much I'm making of white corn, black bean salsa, white corn, black bean salsa. It's mm-hmm. base that you use for chili. Very specifically. Uh, that that is very specific. Yeah, it is. I've tried, but, and you know, a lot of people use like, I don't, I don't use tomato uh, paste. I don't use tomato sauce. I don't use any of those things. I use a salsa as my base, regardless of, you know, what type I'm using, but it adds a a different profile to it. I love the the flavor. It's got a bite, you know, it's a little, and of course you got to have some like green chilies or some Rotel in there somewhere to make it a little bit spicy. But I think uh, one of our mutual friends at work, I made, that I made that uh, chili for the um, a meeting we had at work, and one of our mutual friends said uh, I tried to make not make it, not to make it too spicy because there was some people that were like we don't want it too spicy, and they said um, this was literally just about the level of spice that I can handle. So good job, and nice. I made it as benign as I could. So my spice <laughs> level is definitely not everyone's, but I'm very glad that it was well received. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully it was some stick to your ribs kind of stuff to get you through the rest of yeah, that man. meeting. Yeah, no, I've got two that I make. I have one one recipe I call 21 gun chili just because you just bring out all the guns. It's so good. It takes like 12 hours to make, start to finish. It's got a crazy base. And then I also make a healthier uh, turkey chili that I developed for my uh, for my son. I have a son, mm-hmm. Daniel, with a broader Willie syndrome. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, made it Daniel friendly. So it's got the carbs, the protein, the veggies. It's got, it's got a ton of veggies. I actually make a zucchini salsa to put on top of it at the end. And I know oh, sounds nice. a lot of chili aficionados that might sound really strange or weird, but you know what? I'll, I'll make it, I'll put it on TikTok. I'll put it on Facebook in the next couple of weeks. Cause it's definitely time to make it. Cause yeah, you know, some people need some, uh, you know, some extra help and recipes this time of year, especially like me, I start cooking all this comfort food and and I started thinking about, oh man, these calories are adding up quick. Like <laughs> my goals, like, I mean, it doesn't matter how, you know, how much we talk about behavior and stuff like there's just good food is good food is good food. Some stuff should be messed with, but you know, I am trying to get through the holidays. You know, I have my fit before fit before 40, you know, goal coming up and uh, you know, so I got to keep an eye on those calories. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. 
And so I think it's probably a decent topic to talk about how can we balance the equity of, of great foods during the season without compromising the goal that we've set for ourselves, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so I don't know. What do you think? Does that sound like a good topic for an episode? Let's roll with it. All right. Well, as you guys know, cue the music. You're tuning in to the Behavior Chef Podcast, where nutrition meets behavior. Team Behavior Chef are experienced professionals in applied behavior analysis and nutrition coaching who strive to bring helpful conversations centered around healthful behaviors because you deserve your health. Now let's get to the episode. Here are your hosts, Clint Evans and Tony Chambers. Hey, thanks for joining episode 33. 33, Tony. That's awesome. Of Behavior Chef Podcast. Um, I am one of your co-hosts, Clint Evans. I am Tony Chambers. And we are Team Behavior Chef. Uh, if you new around here and skip past the intro, we are two, uh, we call ourselves nutritional behavior specialists. We're kind of carving our own lane because we have uh, master's degrees in the psychological science of applied behavior analysis, uh, along with board certifications and state licensures, as well as being precision nutrition level one coaches. That's a mouthful. So that's why we call ourselves nutritional behavior specialists, but we are here for all things, nutrition, behavior, and your goals. looks good on a business card. It does. Mine is M-E-D-B-C-B-A-L-B-A-P-N-1. Wow. Um, It's too much. It's goodness. It's it's really pretentious. Mine is, yeah, mine is, mine is one letter short of yours, I believe. It's M-A-B-C-B-A-L-B-A-P-N-1. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's Awesome. <laughs> so, so if you see NBS somewhere, nutritional behavior specialist, it's way more concise. <laughs> yeah, much more. Yeah. Uh, but hey, if you followed along that cold open, um, we are talking about over here in, in the Midwest, it's it's full on fall. Um, it was 70 degrees this morning. It's 45 degrees right now. Uh, that's definitely the quintessential uh, the Midwest. <laughs> Midwest fall day. Uh, we had a nice breeze the whole day, um, but we're going to talk about why um, caloric deficits or no, excuse me. Caloric deficits is, is the central piece. Why cutting calories is not the only way to reach your goals uh, of weight loss. Yeah. And more specifically just focusing on calories because there's tons of programs. I've been on these programs where you put in all of this information and they spit out a calorie count for you. Yeah. Or Sometimes they'll they'll spit out um, a certain particular amount of numbers that you can hit for a day, which is tied back to calories if you go back and look at everything you filled out. And that's what it revolves around. Hit this one number and you will lose weight. Are they wrong though? No. Yes and, yes and no. No and yes. Correct. Uh, <laughs> right. The answer is the answer is maybe. Uh, it, 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 it depends. It depends is probably the, the best way to put it. Right. Um, cause I, I know a lot of folks use, you know, I don't want to say any major companies names for litigation reasons, but there's a lot of people that use a lot of free resources out there that, you know, we, well, let's just be honest, be ourselves, right? We've all done it. Uh, before we became, um, nutrition behavior specialists, I, I don't know how many times in my early twenties, I was guilty of, uh, going through maybe even the holidays and noticing a few extra pounds popping on. And then I would jump on some website. And, oh man, I need to be eating 1500 calories. Okay. Let's track that. And yep. now I have some, and, and these are the, the kind of folks, the everyday kind of folks that come to us and they say, well, you know, I've been eating this. I haven't been losing weight. I don't know what's going on. And speaking in massive generalities, what ends up happening 
you know, we're all about the behavior. What ends up happening is if I go from where I'm supposed to be down to a 1500 calorie a day diet without really finding my maintenance calories and doing all this other stuff, uh, and I'm not losing weight somewhere along the line, majority of the time, sans, you know, a few fringe episodes, but majority of the time I'm restricting so much during a period of time that I am binging somewhere else. And that's just a, a, that's a path to disordered eating and um, nobody needs that. That's not healthy. Nobody needs that. I mean, your body, your body needs calories. Calories are energy. I mean, that's what they translate to is they are the energy through the day, but calories alone, like if I'm on 1500 calories and Clint's on 1500 calories, and we track our days, you know, using, you know, some common tracking app. If you look at both of our, if you look at both of our trackings for the day, those could be th- those foods that equal up to that 1500 calories could look completely different. That's actually because great. One of the places I start, you know, or, or Clinton, I start sometimes is like, it's not so much you know, you, you may actually have done some research or been through enough programs like we have to kind of know how to cook and kind of know what foods are good and, and, and whatever, but it's, it's the quality of what we're eating, the amounts of what we're eating, when we're eating them during the day, and then even getting away from the food part, um, how we're sleeping, how we're, um, how we're forgetting ourselves all the time. Yeah, that's part. Of, that's probably tied back to the sleeping. Part. How tired you were at the end of the day after a long day of work, and all you <laughs> want to do is go upstairs and make a bowl of ramen noodles instead of maybe having something a little more balanced. Or, and and if that's your life, like mine, sometimes where I've gone from five o'clock this morning to now at night with this podcast, mm-hmm. I still might go upstairs and grab that bag of ramen noodles, but I know that I need to add some protein in it. I need to find some random veggies that I might have laying around in the fridge or in the frozen in the freezer, throw them in there because that's going to help all of that turn out very much differently than just that being my pure lifestyle. Yeah, that's absolutely right. These are great uh, introductory points. And we do have a few, uh, we're going to illuminate a few of those things that Tony just highlighted on um, yeah. a, a little bit deeper here. So we'll give you, you know, some, you know, everybody likes some concrete things. So we'll give you three things that you can do today besides doing uh, just cutting calories that can help you reach those goals, especially through the busy time of the year. I know some folks listening are finishing up their studying for the BCBA exam or they're finishing hours or, you know, they just have a life, they work, uh, <laughs> it gets colder. So being outside to exercise in the Midwest, you know, that shuts down a lot. Um, and it just, yeah, I get it. We live here too. Um, and everywhere else, it's just that time of year, seasons are changing. Life is kind of having its ebb and flow. So we're going to talk about that a bit, um, but before we do, Tony, if you if you allow yep, me, um, every Friday we post brag on me Fridays, and uh, this is for everybody in the Behavior Chef community. Uh, we do it on Facebook and Instagram, and then we're starting to do it on our Instagram stories as well. And just throwing it out there, I just started tonight, and I didn't really give anybody a heads up. So on Mondays we record, Wednesdays we release. Um, on Monday you will see a FAQ post. Uh, frequently asked questions about the topic that we're going to record. So if you have questions, comments, or anything like that, you want us to discuss during the episode, look out for that uh, on Instagram and stories and on Facebook and just write us on there. We'll, we'll get to your questions. But my favorite part is the brag on me Friday. So we always ask just what's some ways we can give you some social reinforcement. And if you post there, um, everybody listening to this gets to hear it. You get reinforced uh, 
Um, it's just so cool. So this last week, um, we had uh, Regal Behavior Solutions. Some friends of mine from uh, grad school have their own practice, and I'll actually be going live with them Wednesday night at 8 p.m. here uh, on Instagram to talk about ABA nutrition. So go follow them uh, at Regal Behavior Solutions. The RBRAG for the week is finally becoming credentialed with a funder after a long six-month six process. If you are a BCBA in the private side, you know how long it takes to be credentialed the first time around. Mm-hmm. So that's a win right there. Um, huge behavior, win. Yeah, huge win. The Behavior Mama, um, I she's really cool doing a lot of great stuff. I think she's working with Team ABA now uh, and just doing her own thing. Really, really cool uh, platform she's got there. Um, she said, I gave my last presentation of 2021 yesterday, worked super hard on it, and I knocked it out of the park. So Congrats. excited and proud about that. Congrats. That's fantastic. Um, oh, and Behavior Misfit. And so uh, Janet died. Janet's uh, a friend of the show, a friend of Behavior Chef, and she is a PhD student helping other uh, behavior analysts just kind of get out of burnout. So if, you've, if you follow her, you, you should if you don't. But she said, I'm thrilled to finally get through month eight of my PhD program, finalizing my research manuscript to begin my experiment. It's a small win, but it makes me feel one step closer to feeling more confident as an ABA and health sports and fitness advocate and researcher for the first time in five years since working in the traditional ASD uh, services setting. My love for ABA is only growing. Wow. That's Um, great. uh, Janet, if you listen to this episode, I hope you do, uh, but kudos to you that um, I got to work with Janet myself quite a bit. And that's just, that's amazing. Uh, I'm super proud of you. I'm super excited for you. And so, yeah, and don't diminish those small steps. I heard no. you say it's just a small step, but remember any, anybody who's putting research into this field and into areas outside of AU or within AU uh, means a lot. So you are doing big things, even in the smallest steps. Amen. So that covers our brag on me Friday recap. Go cool. follow those folks. We actually have a little highlight on our uh, on our Instagram too. So if you want to catch some of these, you can see them on there at Behavior Chef uh, on Instagram. But enough of uh, enough about you guys. I want to talk about myself. For, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we want to talk about the topic at hand as well. We get to celebrate you guys, and we want to give you some information to help. So, Tony, yep, counting calories, yes, uh, cutting calories. Is it the only way to lose weight? No, no, no it's not. Is a caloric deficit the epicenter for weight loss? Yeah, it is. Well, I'm confused because cutting calories is the same thing as a caloric deficit, isn't it? No, no, it's not at all. Oh. They're, they're two different things. So let's talk through this. Yeah. So we, when you get down to basic biology and physics, um, you can't, if you're eating, let's say 2000 calories and you jump up to 3000 calories you're not going to lose weight, mm-hmm. right? So if you're at 2000 calories and you want to lose weight and you, you have to get below that number because that's just how physics and biology works. So let's talk through that a little bit and why deficit is different than cutting. Yes. Oh, those are two very, mm. very different, two very different things. So what, what do we mean by cutting? I'll start with cutting. Yeah. Cutting means what I was talking about at the beginning of where you are given a singular number to hit, you're given, you need to eat 1300 calories a day. And that's the only target. And that's the only thing you're looking at. And that's what you obsess over all day. And every day is just that number. And you're plugging in your food and you're reaching that number and that's it. 
you're not changing anything else except trying to hit that number at all. So why don't you dive into deficit, Clint? Oh man, yes, please. Um, gosh, you said some some really cool things there. You talked about the average caloric intake of probably a ten to twelve year old child, yep. um, thirteen hundred calories. Um, it's honestly that's a whole thing with the fitness industry. Um, and also, I just want to say this before we say anything else. When you do, even if you do this correctly, even if you find all your maintenance calories, you account for your NEAT, your, we'll talk about all that later, but if you account for everything and find where you're supposed to be, even that's a guess, okay? Your caloric intake, your need for deficit is a range. Um, It's not, so if if I spit out something for you when you come work with us and it says 2,500 calories is your your maintenance and 2,300 calories would be your beginning of a deficit, um, there's a range there. It's not like your body has 2,301 calories and it decides to, to gain weight or slow the process. Um, just like eating uh, timing and all that stuff, there are great studies that suggest that you know there are minute differences um, for specific people, very specific people, but generalities, your body doesn't have the same kind of A-type schedule you try to keep with work. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just, I don't know if anybody's heard that before. If you're listening, that's new to you. I hope that just gives you a, like a sigh of relief, like, hey man, I just didn't hit my calories yesterday. I went over today. Your body is more concerned about week to week than it is day to day. Um, And those calorie ranges that we're going to give you even as nutrition behavior specialists are a guess, um, a very educated one, but still a guess nonetheless. So this is why the rest of it matters. So a caloric deficit would simply be knowing the maintenance calories. And we do that through a means of finding your um, maintenance calories for your body type and size. Now we look at your goals. We adjust based upon your daily activity and your workout activity uh, and your eating preference. So you see all the data that goes into it, not just giving you a calorie count. That's way different. We have, I mean, we're all about data here. My shirt literally says eat pizza, take data. That's a part of it. And so we, we find that deficit number. Let's again, just for, uh, I'll, I'll use myself. My, my maintenance caloric intake is 3,200 calories a day. Um, I'm currently at 2,500 calories a day and I am on a calculated small or what we would call a mini cut. I am cutting. I usually sit about 27 to 2,800 calories a day. That's where I feel comfortable. So that's where I, I feel good at maintenance. I'm dropping a couple hundred calories because I have a specific goal in mind, but I'm, I'm only doing it for a few weeks at a time. I'll diet break and come back down. That's, and that's uh, very important. What you just said is sure. how long are you doing it for? Um, I, I will do it for six to eight weeks. Uh, and, it, and that depends upon my, the way I feel. So if my, uh, if my, the scale is ultimately what I'm trying to move with the adage of body fat loss. So if, um, if I get to a point where either a, I've reached the goal that I'm looking for, or I'm happy with the results that I get, even if it's not my initial goal or B things start to slow down my, um, process, my, my, yeah, the process slows down my, um, Oh goodness. What am I progress? There's the word. My progress slows down and my body starts to react negatively. Uh, My sleep is off. My stamina is off. I get cloudy. That's when I know it's time to, uh, I got, I'm a little too deep in the tank. So it's time to bump back up and go from there. All right. So just like kind of my little um, piece at the beginning, I want to back up on a few things that you said. So, yeah, because I don't want people to kind of get lost in semantics, which is incredibly easy and why we're carefully walking through this with ourselves and you all uh, who are listening is that, yes, we are going to find a number for you. Mm -hmm. The same way that I said that other programs are going to push out a number for you. Now we take a 
more into consideration than kind of some of the free programs that are out there um, and data that we put into put in. But we're going to get that number, but that's not where we're going to stop. Nope. Because that's where that's where the difference between just cutting calories and, and having a deficit is. It's like, so here's a number that we have. And that might be, and, and that number is important for you to, to lose weight. But now you heard Clint talk about, I'm going to see how I'm feeling every day. I'm going to listen to my body. I'm going to get that biofeedback. Mm-hmm. I'm going to know how much energy I'm putting out for the day when it comes to my exercise, whether I'm getting to go to the gym or whether I'm not getting to go to the gym or how much effort I had to put in at work that day or not. Work is very busy for both of us right now. Incredibly. So we're getting a lot of extra exercise this year than we're used to. Yes. It's great. <laughs> um, which, which is a good thing. That means we're getting to help a lot of, a lot of kids. Um, so all the things that Clint was talking about, and even though he was mentioning those numbers, he was mentioning those numbers based on a lot of different behaviors that are going on in your life. And that's the focus that we, that we come back around to when it comes to deficit. Yes, we need a deficit. We need to get lower than where you are. However, we're not going to look at that number first. So here's the fun part of all this, Tony, if I can throw a wrench in our plans, we've, we've spent the last 10 minutes talking about the difference between caloric deficit and uh, cutting calories. Now let's talk about how to promote a caloric deficit without looking at numbers at all. Ooh, here's the, the wrench in the plan. See, we, the, the awesome thing about data is that it lets us know a lot more than just a number. It lets us know about you. So sometimes working with a program, I might have this really cool macro profile for somebody and they do not respond well to tracking because of past trauma, past history, things like that. So there are other ways that we can hit a caloric deficit without knowing what we're tracking. You say, oh, Clint, that sounds kind of scary. It's not. It's, it's about listening to biofeedback, most importantly. Um, but we have a few... Uh, we have a few ways that we do that. One of one of the three things that we're talking about tonight, uh, the easiest thing to do uh, to promote a caloric deficit instead of tracking numbers all the time is to swap processed foods for whole foods. So does that mean I have to completely get rid of every box and can that's in my pantry? Yeah, you got to eat it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not going to... Yeah. Right. Or I mean, he, we can see each other and if he, he saw my face change, like immediately, that was, that was good. Yes, absolutely. You can eat it. Yes. That's the whole deal is it, eat pizza, take data. So the data happens to be processed versus unprocessed. Um, what we're looking for, I, I've, I use the moniker with clients. I call it build a plate. Um, and so if we're, I've, if we're not tracking calories and we're trying to track uh, sources. Even our macro profile actually spits out a really cool portions guide as well. And what's really cool about that f- to promote for you is just thinking of a plate of a balanced meal. I need at least one source of protein, uh, a source of fats, a source of carbohydrates. And then um, I usually double up two sources of veggies if I can. It's not always ideal. And no, I'm not. And I know in your head, you might be thinking of a salad uh, <laughs> with like chicken and cheese in it, but that's that's not what it, what I mean. I mean, you can have a a burger, uh, a burger with fries can count as carbs and, and protein. Uh, there's lettuce on that burger, you know. Uh, but here's here's the thing with that is is that behavior going to promote your deficit or is that behavior going to promote some you know unprocessed food binge that you might go into later? 
Um, these are questions that I've asked myself. I'm not asking them of you. These are things I've asked myself. If I have this burger, it's well within my macros for the day. It's going to be, it's going to keep me in my deficit. If it keeps me in my deficit, am I going to stop after I have this thing that is incredibly satisfying to me? Uh, or is that going to promote behaviors for Clint to continue on to find things and not listen to his body where it says, Hey, we're full. We don't need food. We want food. And there's a difference between those two things. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and part of that process of, of that behavior is, is learning through that is there's, you know, there's, um, there's good research that says when you, if you feed your cravings, people who feed their cravings have a tendency to actually lose weight and keep weight off faster, um, yeah. then, then completely restricting all of it out of, out of their, um, diet completely. So, you know, and going back to this swapping out processed foods from processed foods, if you want the burger, the fries and everything with it is one of the things that I help clients with. And I know Clint also has this approach as well is that is what does that mean? Does that mean that I can't ever buy any, do I have to stick, you know, you know, you've always heard stick to the outside of the grocery store. You know, that's kind of where you can find your healthier items and your less processed items. That's a good rule of thumb. Really. If it's not always possible to do that, especially I have six people in my house I have to feed. Hmm. So I have to kind of go to some packages sometimes. But one of the best things I've done is if you pick up, pick up your box, your bag, your can, whatever, turn it over, read the ingredients on it. And if you understand 75% of the things that are on that ingredients label, then you're doing better than something that you can only then understand the first two. Exactly. And, and that's and that's one good way to start. Because like, again, we don't want you to feel wrong about what you're eating or what you're buying for your family or yourself. It's just about kind of relearning and educating yourself on what, what it means to, to be healthier and to change those behaviors. And you'd be surprised how many people are already on the right track with the foods that they have in their house. And they only end up changing a few of them around that are very easy, or maybe they don't. You didn't even realize that they're not even really going to mess. I'm going to blow some minds right now. Um, being part of Team Behavior Shift does not mean that we eat like, you know, uh, gourmet meals every time we cook something. Oh, heavens uh, no. No, not at all. <laughs> I So this is where information can help guide a choice and also be budget friendly. And yes. so I, I cook all my meals every week. I cook something. Usually it's a chicken and rice meal that I change the... Uh, the flavorings and the accoutrement that go around it every week. So that way the base stays the same. Everything else changes. I never get satiated with it. But here's the deal. I use bagged frozen chicken because it's cheap. And I buy uh, instant white rice uh, because it's cheap. And it takes four minutes to cook a week's worth of rice. I also buy uh, hamburger patties. I love hamburgers every once in a while. I keep frozen ones in the, in the freezer. Um, yeah, they're a higher fat content, but I also know how to mitigate that. Uh, I'm not going to have two or three of them at a time. I'm going to go ahead and surround the plate with more veggies on the other side to mitigate the 80-20 protein that I'm, I'm having versus the 93-7 that I like to buy. But it's cost effective because I have a child now um, and I want to have a bank account at some point in my life. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm still able to hit my goals. By, and it's convenient. It's cheap. It's convenient. It's budget friendly. It's, it's all the pluses, man. You don't have to go and buy the most organic yeah. thing. A lot of the scare tactics and mm. stuff that are out there when it comes to to misinformation about what you should be buying at the store and what's quote unquote poison and what is 
you know, ruining your body from the inside out is, is seriously detrimental to, to a lot of people's health journeys. Yes. And, and we really strive to help mitigate that misinformation and let you know, I mean, Clint talked about rice. He talked about hamburgers. I mean, th- these are things that are in my house as well. And just things that again, are budget friendly. Cause another thing that the health and nutrition world loves to do is put healthy food on a luxury shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is awful. And, you know, I, when I post videos of foods and, and with stuff I cook, that's one of the things that I try to keep in mind is, is budget conscious Yes, because I have to be budget conscious with four kids. <laughs> um, you know, Clint's a, a, a younger, newer family. He's in a different financial place where he has to be budget conscious mm-hmm. and, and this all goes in, I believe it or not, why we're talking about all this stuff all still goes back to calorie deficit because, yes. because it is possible to, to, ha, you know, stick with your budget that you have not change a lot of the foods that you're doing. Like Clint said, build that plate, learning how to reorganize your plate, you know, making it as colorful as possible is another great tool to use, you know, this, so. eat the rainbow. Yeah. And as silly as that sounds, it's extraordinarily helpful. It is very easy things. We've talked about eat the rainbow, stay to the outside of the store. And if you can read the ingredients, you're on the right track. I'm sorry. If you understand the ingredients that you're reading, you're on the right track. That's perfect. Yes. If you can read that. Either one of those is a good skill to have. Basically. (laughs) Either one of those is a good skill to have. And this point is, you know, it's something I wanted to talk about for a while, but I I do have to give credence to uh, Dr. Nick Green from Behavior Fit, a good friend of the show. Uh, I actually ran across an article of his, I think he wrote it in like 2016, but one of the things he talked about, I'll link it in show notes, by the way, but one of the things he talked about was um, the quality over quantity of food. And so it was a really good starter piece for us to talk about tonight. We've talked about that part. Number one is to, um, again, just swap out processed for unprocessed quality over quantity. Um, and that'll naturally do these, you know, you'll get vitamins and minerals that'll help with your natural satiety. It'll do all these things to promote what's known, you know, as a caloric deficit or, um, without having to count calories. Another thing that I think is absolutely overlooked that has nothing to do with nutrition is a good sleep schedule. Can I say that again? Your hormones are begging you to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Sleep hygiene is huge. Yes. Oh my gosh, because sleep does so many things for us. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't need to bore you with all the details. You're all human beings who try to sleep every night. It mitigates so many things. Think about when you have a bad night's sleep uh, and, and the next day performance is, is off usually, or I just don't feel, I don't feel like myself. Sleep promotes uh, the caloric deficit thing because it also does, I mean, there's so many things with hormones, with um with hunger, uh, causing hormones with, uh, cortisol levels, with all these things due to irregular sleep. But if we have a regulated sleep pattern, it helps us be regulated in a homeostatic way, hormonally, uh, and not, not just hormonally, but with energy, with the melatonin levels, serotonin levels, it does so many things for you. And so, and from a a behavioral standpoint, again, think about how you feel the next day when you wake up, I mean, what kind of energy do you have when you first wake up in the morning? Do you, do you want to cook? <laughs> do you want to <laughs> reach for something that might take an extra, I mean, literally an extra 60 seconds, two minutes. You may not, you may just grab the quickest thing or you may not grab anything at all. You may just be like, I'm, 
I'm not cooking this morning. I'm going to take a cup of coffee. I'll catch up at lunch. And then depending on how your day is, if it's anything like so many jobs right now out there, not just in, in our world right. uh, that you are working a lot of different jobs and, you know, lunch is sometimes questionable if you're going to get it. And then all of a sudden you're on your sixth cup of coffee and it's the end of the day. And like, I mean, and I'm talking from experience here, folks, and I just want to come in, open my pantry by the time I get home and binge while I'm cooking dinner, like, That's right. and, and fighting that is hard. Like, but and it all comes back to that sleep, like sleep, sleep hygiene is one of the most overlooked pieces when it comes to nutrition wellness. Yes. Wow. Way to put that. That's a, a very well stated uh, point there because it's, it's so true. It does so many things for us. I'll tell you, and here it's the funny, there's a funny homeostatic relationship between um, it's almost, well, it's really, it's symbiotic relationship between sleep and nutrition and nutrition and sleep. So we just talked about how sleep, good sleep uh, and good sleep habits, right? You know, cut your phone off um, a little bit before you go to bed, try blue blocking glasses at night, um, you know, do some relaxation techniques, do something to take your mind off the day to wind down, put your phone down 30 minutes before you go to bed, put your phone down 30 (laughs) minutes before you go to bed. All those things will help your body. And it's not just about the practice of getting into your mind and relaxing. It's literally helping your body not take in so many things that raise, um, dopamine, like looking at Facebook until 3 a.m. You awake. Exactly. That's, that's a better way to put it. Um, looking at TikTok, all that stuff. Uh, we're guilty because we're all on all these platforms. I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean? <laughs> it's not an avoidance tactic for sleep. But I will say this. The way nutrition also piggybacks off of sleep is this. Um, there's this old ad. I don't know if it came around in the 90s or early 2000s, but there was this thing for a long time where if I eat anything after 7 p.m., it gets stored as fat. And first and foremost, if, hopefully it's not the first time you've heard this, but if it is, you're welcome. That's all baloney. Um, that's not true at all. Your body does not. It, like I said, your body doesn't care about what time you eat to magically convert something to something else. That's right. not how it works, but it does matter about your digestive timing. So for example, if 7 PM, uh, if you're going to go to bed at 10 or 11, 7 PM might be a decent time to stop eating, not because you're going to store things as fat, but because your body is going to go into digestion and then try to get that nutrients out to your body. And if you're trying to wind down to go to sleep, your circadian rhythm is also slowing down. So digestion is slowing down. So that's going to cause issues and irritability for your body to go into a natural sleep rhythm. And that might disrupt your sleep. You might not get as deep asleep. So if you eat really close to bedtime and you don't sleep well, it's not because you're storing things as fat, but it's because you're disrupting sleep patterns. So timing of food does matter uh, and types of food does matter for good quality sleep. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's been a soapbox of mine for a while. Uh, Cause it blew my, it blew my mind when I learned it uh, as well. And so it, that's how sleep and nutrition kind of had this symbiotic relationship to help with that caloric deficit that you're always looking for. You know, if, again, if the goal is weight loss, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Uh, Tony, do you have anything else to add for that one? Or do you want to jump into the third one? Let's jump into the third one. Um, okay. So, um, the third one is revolves around something very simple, something that I avoid a lot every day. That I, one of the things that I have had to work on the most in my nutrition uh, journey, and that's simply just making sure I drink water during the day. Like it's it's that simple. And I know there's a lot of there's a huge spectrum of information that you're going to get when it comes to drinking water. That you should drink like 
three times your your water weight and you should you're you should just be a walking swimming pool like no and then there's some that just say only drink when your body wants to and don't don't and, and not a minute more and not a minute less it's like and then well that may not be healthy either so clint you you are much better at this than i am so talk us to us a little bit more about water sure um, and, hydration is listen i don't care how you get water hydrate yes i don't care how you do it I don't care if you like Mio, put Mio in there. I don't care if you like uh, flavorings, if you like sparkling water, um, try to try to get decent amounts of good water, but try to keep it sugar free. Yeah, right. Yeah. If counteractive, wouldn't, wouldn't sugar water just be Kool-Aid and or soda? <laughs> yeah, it gets, a little, little, it gets a little counterintuitive. That's true. So the whole idea is start with the base. Uh, well, you know, on video, I'm showing you my water bottle. Start with a clear liquid called H2O and then add a uh, you know, add Mio to it, add something like that. If you need flavoring to get you started. Um, I don't, I love not just the, I, I love the refreshing flavor of water. I know that sounds weird, but it does something for me, but I, I just love the effects that I get from it. I feel, uh, I feel hyd- as my body gets hydrated, all the systems work better. I mean, that's just how it is. Your bowel movements are better. Your digestion is better. Your skin uh, you know, you are like 80% water. We are what one of my favorite memes I've ever seen throughout this whole pandemic was something like, um, isn't it crazy to think that we are pretty much just, uh, since we're 80% water, we're pretty much just anxious cucumbers. Uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> just, I love that so much. And I was like, yes, that's true. That is absolutely true. I don't know that I can link that in the show notes, but if I can find it, I'll share it on our platform here. We might have a new t-shirt to sell, right? We, we might, that'd be great. Um, but there's a few things behaviorally that water does for you. Cause I know you hear the trope all the time. You need to drink more water. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I need to be hydrated. I'm not hydrated. Um, this will help aid in your digestion. This will help aid in. Um, so as far as caloric deficits go, a little trick that I like to use with clients is if I'm having a craving that is, I'm sure for me, I, I know my stress triggers. So when I get stressed, there are certain things that I crave before I go ham on whatever I'm craving. Cause you do feed your cravings a little bit. We, we'll talk about that in a whole nother episode. Um, but this is where I stop first. This is my antecedent strategy to binging, uh, or to jumping into that craving right away. I will grab for some water, drink 10 to 20 ounces of water. That's just me, but I drink at least eight ounces, a glass of water, wait a few minutes. And half the time I'm distracted. I I'm no longer that craving isn't there. Uh, it might come back later, but I've increased my hydration. I've alerted like, and I've also paired together this stress response. So I'm able to recognize now that, oh, there's a behavior chain here that, X happens, I get stressed, and then uh, Y is me reaching out for that thing that I don't want, and then there's that shame spiral, and blah yeah. blah 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 blah. You you guys have all well, I don't I don't want to paint a straw a broad brush. Most of us have been there at some point. I've been there. Let's just say that Clint's been there. He knows how it feels. Not a good place to be. Uh, water helps with that. Water also, uh, again, the digestion piece is so huge. Um, you know, you are not at your best life. You're not having your best life when you don't feel good, uh, when you have gut issues, when you can't use the restroom, when things just aren't working well, if we're just as, as polite about this as I can be, if, if things aren't working well, things aren't working well. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, and for me, water was one of those things like it, again, there's, there's just so much science around it. I mean, I even hesitate to even just tell people you should drink this much water during the day. It's, it's, it's more about a consistency piece. Again, for me, I use it like that antecedent strategy too. I, I used it for something that we call precursory behaviors. So like when I know I'm in a certain place, like, especially if I'm home, 
like by myself sometimes right before I'm about to go pick up kids or something like that. Like I'm going to want to dive in and maybe cook myself something just because I always want to be in the kitchen cooking something or I'm ready to dive into the pantry. I'll grab my bottle of water first and do the same thing Clint said he did. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll drink half my bottle of water. Mm-hmm. And half the time, you know, I'll find out that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm just thirsty. <laughs> like my body, you know, your body will, if it's not, if it's not getting water and you're not giving it water, then it may say, okay, I'm hungry because it's going to want to pull whatever water out of you're going to, that you're going to, out of whatever you're eating. So I will start with drinking water. And then a lot of times, just like Clint, like I'm like, okay, I'm actually okay. I was just thirsty. And then after that 20 minutes, if I'm still hungry, then I'll find an appropriate snack for myself to eat because my body's like, no, I need fuel. I need energy. Yes, it needs water, but I also need energy. And water can be a really great way to help kind of train yourself up on, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I bored? Um, because if you do happen to end up drinking a whole bunch of water, you're going to be fine. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the best thing that you could put in your body if you're wanting to binge something or if it's a normal snack time. So it can be a great replacement, beginning replacement behavior for something for you to to do as well and has all the benefits that Clint just talked about. And the absolute worst thing that can happen is you just end up peeing a lot. So <laughs> and, even, and even that your body adjusts to. So it, it adjusts to and, and you're fine. So we're not saying water is the key ingredient to add to your body, but it is important in many different ways. It can be helpful be helpful behaviorally and physiologically as well. And if I may add, uh, we did touch on what, how not to drink water earlier, and we didn't really touch on how to. So I wanted to give you this piece of advice here. Um, the general recommendation is eight to 12, eight to 10 ounce glasses of water a day. So 80 to 100 ounces a day. And I know that sounds like a lot. Uh, and I mean, that is a, a good chunk of water. It's a good amount of water. But what I would suggest is you find, you know, take an average of where you're at right now. How many bottles of water do you drink a day? How much water do you drink a day? Um, and then just habit stack that. So you know, we, we, we pre-mac it, if you will, first thin, you know, first water, then lunch or while, you know, put, put it into things you're already doing, attach it to meals. That's uh, Yeah. That's, that's how I started doing all of mine was I just attached one, one big bottle of water with every meal that I had. That was three times a day. I wasn't really worried about how many ounces I was having. I just knew I needed to drink this with my lunch, breakfast and dinner, not in those orders, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm tired too. And, um, I did that consistently. And then it became a habit because it wasn't something I thought now, if you're seeing the video of this, which most of you won't, I carry this water bottle with me (laughs) everywhere. And now one of my favorite things to do, this is how it all changes around. One of my favorite things to do, one of my best reinforcers is buying a new water bottle. I love it. It's so dumb, but it excites me so much. And it works. But, but again, like you said it extremely importantly, because, you know, drinking water, hitting a calorie count, hitting a certain number of anything that you're trying to do. I mean, same thing goes for macros too. You can get caught in the same macro traps of mm-hmm. eat, eat this protein, this carb, and this fat, and then your world revolves around it. As Clint said, yeah, I built it into breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's where I started. Like those are three natural times to have something to drink. He wasn't trying to force it into the middle part of his day where he's supposed to be having a meeting with a teacher, but he's like, nope, hold on, ding, ding, ding. You know, his watch goes off and then he has to run out of the room to go grab a bottle of water. That's not that that's that's not helpful because then you're again now all of a sudden your world revolves around water and it shouldn't. Exactly. No. <laughs> your your world should revolve around your behavior, those behaviors meaning your values and what you care about, which then turns around 
to whatever behaviors you insert into your day and to the natural parts of your day become something you care about and can easily become habits and make you a better, healthier individual, whatever those goals and outcomes may be. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've given you guys enough to chew on, so to speak. Definitely. <laughs> we've given you uh, three of, and I'm not saying top three, I'm not saying best, the must-haves. Probably for me, the easiest top three things that I, I give people um, to slide into. And there's probably easier than that. I just, this is what I came up with because I think they're incredibly important and undervalued and they're easy to do. Yeah. And so sleep, eat, drink some water, and just be <laughs> a little bit more mindful about what food you're buying. And most, I, I guarantee most of you, when it comes to that last one, you're already doing well over 50% of that. Yeah. Yeah. Just tightening you're up a few bolts. Out. Right. Just tighten up a few bolts and you got to, you're ready to roll. Um, but you know, Tony, we're always, we always, we, we, if you guys are listening, we never know, like we never know how to end these things. (laughs) (laughs) No, we have a great beginning. The middle's great. And the end just kind of falls off a cliff. So if you have any suggestions, let us know. We'd love to know. Um, but thank you for listening. Um, the show notes will have all the stuff for, you know, the article from Dr. Nick green, um, you guys know where to find us at behavior chef on all socials at uh, BX chef and at never have empty um, on Inst- Nope. TikTok. That's TikTok. There we go. Thank you. And uh, behaviorchef.com. You can get a, a hold of us there. Everything's yep. there. Uh, listen, we give this content away f- uh, for free because we feel like it's important. We uh, obviously we sell nutritional behavior stuff and we help people change their behaviors for a lifetime. Um, if you're interested in that, you know, there are links in our bio and, and Instagram and on our website to check us out. But more than anything else, we just want to be helpful to you. So if you like this, uh, if this has been helpful, you know, stick around for the next episode. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Share it with your family and friends. And as always, Tony. Eat pizza, take data. See you guys next time. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Behavior Chef Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you in the next episode of the Behavior Chef Podcast.